Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Well, I started this series last week, and I entitled it Faith for the Last Days. How many of you know we're living in the last days? Amen. Amen. Well, during uh, the last days, faith will be more important than ever. How many of you know it takes faith to lead people to the Lord? It takes faith to follow the, the leading of the Holy Spirit about who you're supposed to minister to and how you're supposed to approach, uh, approach that. So faith is very important. We have a big harvest that we need to believe God for. Amen, and faith is how we get it done. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm just gonna mention some of the scriptures we mentioned last week real quickly. Just read them, make a very brief comment. I'm not gonna go into the detail on them right now that I did last week. Uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, the service is available for download or you can listen to it online. I encourage you, if you have to be out of church, catch up on the services you missed because uh, this series is taught uh, uh, lesson after lesson and so you won't get the most out of any one lesson if you haven't heard the ones before. And so I encourage you to go and, and get those. So if you found Hebrews chapter 11, notice verse six says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen. That's a very important truth. People need to understand that. That without faith, no matter what else you have going for you spiritually, and there are a lot of other good uh, graces and, and things that you can have uh, uh, that, that please, those things please God. But without faith, you're still not pleasing him. Amen. Amen. Amen? Not in the fullest sense because he it said it's impossible to please God without faith. And then we saw over in James chapter one, turn over just a couple of pages to James, the first chapter. <clears throat> and we notice in verse five, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, now last week we've showed that this is not just talking about wisdom. He's using wisdom here because he's talking about tests and trials. And when you go through tests and trials, you need wisdom. But this principle of asking and believing applies to anything that you ask for. And so it says, if any of you lack, and you could put in there anything that you want to put in that's in line with the word of God. If you lack, if you lack direction, if you lack peace, if you lack uh, wholeness, if you lack, lack health or, or uh, financial resources or whatever you would need. He says, let him ask in faith who gives to all, or let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without approach, it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Verse number six, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Verse seven says, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. See, when we're not in faith, when we're not operating in faith and acting in faith, he said, don't even think about getting anything from God. Don't even suppose. Don't even suppose don't let a man even suppose. Don't even trick yourself into thinking that you're gonna receive anything from the Lord if you don't ask in faith. Now, we pointed out last week that, that God does do some things for people when they're not in faith because God is good and he's merciful. 
But this is talking about when you ask God for things. I know the Lord's done things for me in my life that uh, I wasn't thinking about, I wasn't asking him for. It was something I needed. He was watching out for me. He, he went ahead of me and protected me and worked things out for me. And I wasn't believing him for that. I wasn't in faith for that. But in his mercy and his care for me, he gives me things. But this is talking about when you go to the Lord in prayer, if anyone lacks blank, whatever you would put in, let him ask of God but let him ask in faith. So this is talking about asking for things. He said, if you don't ask in faith, if you don't operate in faith, God, don't even think that you're gonna receive anything. Why? Because it's impossible. It's impossible that that type of, of prayer will please God. And so he can't, he can't violate his own word and bless you when you're in unbelief. Amen. Glory to God. So we, we mentioned last week that we were going to point out four things or answer four questions about faith. What is faith? How do we get it? How does it work? How can we grow in it? And so we're going to look today at the first question that, uh, that uh, I mentioned here, and that is what is faith? If you'd go back to Hebrews chapter 11 with me, Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read verse 1, and it tells us exactly what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now the word substance there from the Greek, it comes from a compound word, two words put together. One word means to stand and the under, other word means under. And so what this is talking about is it's, it's something that stands under something. In other words, it's a foundation. That'd be another way of translating this. Faith is the foundation for things hoped for. You see, without faith, hope really doesn't have any foundation. You, for instance, without faith... Hope is nothing, is nothing, it's not any better than just wishful thinking. You might hope to win the lottery, but you have no basis because you don't even play the lottery. Isn't that right? You don't even play the lottery. So, you know, having any basis for hope is just, you'd, you'd have no reason to hope for that. Isn't that right? Amen. If you do play the lottery, you have a tiny, ridiculous chance that you might win. But that's, that's not a foundation. You really have no right, and you shouldn't be playing it anyway. But, and, so, and I know you don't. But what I'm saying is hope without faith has no foundation, doesn't have anything to stand on. One translation of this particular uh, verse in the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the Amplified Translation says, Now faith is the assurance, the confidence, the title deed of the things we hope for. Moffat's translation says, Now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for. Another translation of the New English Bible says, Faith gives substance to our hopes. See, Hope is, is a good goal setter 
but it'll never achieve anything. Hope without faith will not produce. Hope is always thinking of what might be and what could be and what you want to happen. But without faith, it has no substance. Then it says in the last part of this verse, it is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. This word evidence from, from the Greek, of course the New Testament was written in Greek, so the word that's translated evidence there means a proof. A proof. And it's explained this way. It is, it is that by which invisible things are proved and we are convinced of their reality. Read that again. That by which invisible things are proved and we are convinced of their reality. Go down, we looked at verse six, go down to verse number seven. Notice what it says about Noah. By faith, Noah, now remember what is faith? It's the foundation of things hoped for and it's the proof of things not seen. So by this faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. When God spoke to, to Noah and told him to build the ark, he told him what was gonna happen. He said, I'm gonna destroy all of mankind off the face of the earth because of their corruption and the sinfulness that existed in the world. He said, I'm gonna destroy all mankind except you and your family because you're, you, you have a, a right standing to, before me. And he said, I'm gonna send floodwaters that are gonna cover the entire earth and I'm gonna destroy every living thing and I want you to build an ark, a big boat. I want you to bring all the animals into it and thereby uh, your life and your, and your family and, and, and the animal kingdom and so forth will be preserved. Well, there was no evidence of that. There was no evidence of a mighty flood. You could look around and it was, everything was just like it had been. People were just going about their normal lives. There was no sign of judgment. Didn't look like God would ever correct anything. People were just going about their ungodly way. There was murder and, and violence and, and bloodshed on every hand. And there was no evidence of what God said, but God said it. And when he said it, faith come into, came into Noah's heart. And that faith became the proof of what he didn't see. That's what faith is. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. A couple other translations of this, uh, the, the Moffat's translation says, it means that we're convinced of we, what we do not say, see. The Amplified goes on to say, being the proof of things we do not see. My best translation, my favorite translation is really not a, a translation as much as a paraphrase. The Lovett's paraphrase says it like this, verse number one. What is faith, you ask? Well, it is an inner assurance, an inner assurance that the things we hope for actually do exist and the conviction that they are already ours even though we cannot see them. That's what faith is. It's an inner conviction, an inner knowing, an inner uh, proof that things that we haven't yet experienced, we know they're true, we know they're real. How? We know it because God said it and that puts faith on the inside and that faith becomes the evidence. Now, if you know anything about law and a, court, uh, a courtroom or a court procedures, 
when uh, a case is being argued before the court, the attorneys will, produ will produce what? Evidence. And the evidence, even though the jury cannot, they weren't present when the alleged crime or, or activity, they weren't present, they didn't see it happen. They didn't see the person do whatever was alleged that he did. They weren't there. So because they weren't there and they can't see it, what does the, what does the attorney do? They present evidence that such and such happened. And the defensive attorney presents evidence that it didn't happen. And that evidence is there and it convinces the jury of the fact. Whose evidence is the strongest? Which evidence, which body of evidence prevails over the other? And whichever body of evidence prevails, that's the decision of the jury and that's the decision of the court. Isn't that right? Well, God is the one who gives us the evidence. Now, evidence is a temporary commodity. It's a temporary commodity. If you have the thing seen, if you see the thing, and in this context, it's something you would have prayed for, something you ask, let him ask in faith. That means asking when you don't see, but you're asking for it in faith. You're believing what God said about it. Well, God's evidence, the word, and the faith that's on the inside of you, it's a temporary commodity. Once you have the thing seen, you don't need the evidence. You wouldn't need to convince the jury that someone uh, committed a crime if the jury was present when the crime was committed. Isn't that right? Because they've seen it. But when things are not seen, that's when you need the evidence. Amen. Faith operates in the realm of the unseen. Amen. Now, notice that it's thing, faith is the evidence of things not seen. One interesting thing about faith and probably the most important uh, singular truth about faith and the difference between faith and hope is when a person is in hope, they're looking at what God is going to do. Or what, they, or what they want God to do, or what they've asked him to do. And they've got their answer in the future. And they'll say, well, now when I was a kid, uh, the old timers would talk like this. They'd say, well, I'm a hoping and a praying. You ever heard anybody say that? I'm a hoping and a praying. Well, I'm a hoping and a praying that the Lord will answer my prayer. Well, he's not going to. Because that's not faith. If you're a hoping and a praying, you're a wasting your timing. <laughs> Because it, it, why? It's impossible. That cannot please God. And don't even think that God, why? Because he operates in faith. God is a faith God. He has put the answers to our, our prayers on the basis of faith, not hope. So people are hoping, I'm just, I'm just you know, people do that where, where their eternal salvation is concerned. Are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. Well, you know right away that they couldn't possibly go to heaven because they're hoping. And we're not saved by hope. We're saved for by grace are you saved through faith, not hope. 
So when somebody tells me, well, I, I'm, I hope to go to heaven. I hope to be saved. Well, I know they've got their salvation in the future. It's in the future tense. It's what they want to happen, but they haven't laid hold of it by faith. It isn't, it isn't something that they have any foundation for. There's no foundation for that. The same thing is true where any other prayer need uh, is, uh, is involved. Whether it's healing, well, I, I just hope God's gonna heal me. Well, uh, he won't. Not on the basis of that prayer because again, it's impossible. It's impossible to please God. He won't do it that way. And so people who are hoping to be healed, people who are hoping that God will meet their financial need, they're hoping God will save their family, they're hoping that they'll have uh, the wisdom they need and the answers they need in life. If you're hoping, you're not in a place of faith and God cannot respond to that because he has put it on the, on the uh, basis of faith and he's told us how faith works. Now, somebody said, well, I, I'm, I just don't have a lot of faith. Well, we didn't read it this morning, but Jesus said, have faith in God. That must put it then, it must make it our responsibility whether we have faith or not. Because he said, have if, if God just gave faith to people, just uh, according to his uh, decision who had faith and who didn't have faith. He just gives certain people faith. Other people he doesn't give. Or some people he gives a lot of faith and other people gives them a little faith. Then Jesus would have been wrong to tell us to have faith if it's not up to us to have it. The, clearly the responsibility is ours whether or not we have faith. And so if, if God makes faith available to us and he puts the answers to our prayer on the basis of the faith, then we, we don't have, there's no place to accuse God of being unfair. Amen. Because faith is available to everybody. Amen. Uh, like I said, hope says I'll have my answer Someday, God will move someday. Faith says, I have the answer now because it becomes the, the, the evidence of things not seen. Faith says, I have my answer now. I have my healing now. I have my prayer request met, uh, uh, answered now. I have my need met now. On what basis? On what basis can someone say, I have it now? Well, now we didn't read Mark 11, but let's turn over there and look at it. Mark chapter 11, we read it last week, but I want to examine Mark chapter 11 today. Verse 22, the verse I quoted just a moment ago, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, have faith. Some of the older translations in the margin, they bring out the fact that this could have been translated, have the faith of God. Instead of having faith in God, it could have been tra translated, have the faith of God. In other words, have the God kind of faith. So we're not talking about faith uh, in the sense that the world often talks about faith. We're talking about Bible faith. So Jesus said, have the faith of God. Now, let's skip verse 23 because we're going to come back to that later. But uh, to, to, to make the point I want to make this morning, go down to verse number 24. Jesus said, have faith in God. 
And then verse 30, uh, 24, he says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, notice, we're going to take this verse apart and separate two different facts from this verse and contrast them together. First of all, he said, whatever things you ask, whatever things you ask, the fact that you would ask means that you don't have it. If you had it, you wouldn't ask for it. Isn't that right? I have a, I have a real nice Breitling watch. I love this watch. The men of the church gave me this watch. It's beautiful. Somebody said, would Jesus wear a Breitling watch? He would if somebody gave it to him. <laughs> Amen. I mean, if he was here, you know what I mean. Would Jesus wear a Rolex or a Breitling? Well, if somebody that loved him gave it to him. Now, what would you think of me if I thought, well, now I can't wear anything like that. That's just too, that's just too flashy for a preacher. What, what would you men think? It'd be pretty insulting, wouldn't it? You gave me this knife. Well, I'm going to wear it. I like it. But it's, it's a Breitling chronograph. Serial number. <laughs> no, I can read. It's just, the, it's just the light on it. It's C49360. C49 or 45? 360. <laughs> I think it's 49. Now, wouldn't I be foolish to go to God in prayer and say, Father... I'm asking you to give me a Breitling chronograph watch with a serial number C49360. That'd be, that'd be ridiculous. Why would I ask God for that? There's only one of them, and I, already, and I already have it. So the point is, whatever things you ask means that you don't have it. That's, just, that's, that's obvious that you don't have it or you wouldn't be asking for it. Whatever things you ask, now... I want you to skip the next part. When you pray, believe you. Now I want you to skip when you pray, believe you receive. I want you to skip that and, and I want you to erase that from your memory. Okay, well, now you don't know what we just read, right? It's, it's gone. Drop down to the last part of the verse. And you will have them. Jesus said, Whenever you, whatever things you ask, you will have them. Whatever things you ask, you will have them. Now what is will have? Past tense or present tense or future tense? It's future tense. So again, this verse starts and it ends establishing the fact that you don't have what you've asked for. I'm gonna say it again. Faith begins, this verse, description of faith, begins and ends with the understanding that you don't have what you've asked for. Because, again, why would, you have, why would you ask if you already have it? And it says you will have them. So that's future tense. Something will happen. So this verse establishes, this is what trips people up. They don't understand why they don't have it yet. Well, you couldn't be in faith if you already had it. You couldn't be in faith for it if you already had it. But why? Because faith is the evidence of things 
not seen, or like it said in Moses or Noah's case, in things not yet seen. As soon as you see it, you don't need faith for it. I, it's impossible for, impossible for me to be in faith for this watch. It's impossible for me to be believing that God's going to give me this watch because I already have it. So faith is designed to operate in the realm of things not seen or things that you do not yet have. Why? And you, how, to know, how do we know that? And you will have them or you will receive them. Isn't that right? Now, how many of you know what the middle part of this verse says? Huh? I told you to forget it. You're not supposed to know. Some people just will not listen. The middle part says, when you pray, when you pray, it's telling you when you're supposed to do something. When you pray, what are you supposed to do? Believe that you receive them. Them what? Them things that you ask for. So notice that how this verse tells us two different things. It tells us that we do not have them, otherwise we wouldn't be asking for them, and we know that we don't have them because we will have them, so it's telling us we don't have them, but we're supposed to believe that we've received them. That's the thing about faith that trips people up. Most people are not gonna, they think they're not gonna believe that they've received it until they have it. But if you, if, you, if you already had it, you wouldn't have to believe you'd receive it because you already had it. And so people say, I'll say, well, you know, are, are you healed? Well, they'll check their, their body, you know, well, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, don't, I, 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 don't, I thought I came up for healing and I asked God to heal me, but I don't feel any different. Therefore, I don't guess I'm healed. Someone like that will never receive their healing. Again, most people want to wait until they see it. They'll say, well, I'm not going to say I'm healed. I'm not going to believe I'm healed when I can look at my body. I can feel my hands. I came up for prayer for arthritis. My hands are all stiff and they hurt. And, and I can tell that I still have arthritis. I'm not going to believe I've received healing when I can tell I don't have it. Well, then you'll just keep your arthritic hands. That's right. Because faith is the evidence of things not seen. When you pray... While you still don't have it, he said, while you don't have it, when you pray for it, right then, believe that you've received it. That's, that's where faith works its power. That's what turns God loose in the situation because God is honored by faith. He's not honored by doubt. Every place in the Bible from Genesis to maps that talks about doubt, it's always wrong. Amen. Doubt is always sinful. It's always contrary to God's will. It's always wrong. It's never spoken about in, an, in, a, in a positive way. God does not respond to doubt. He only responds to faith. And the person that says, well, I looked at my arthritic hands and they don't look like they've changed, so I guess God didn't heal me. God's not pleased with that. It's not pleasing. That, that, won't, that, will, that will not work in the arena of getting your prayers answered. It just won't. Well, I don't know why God's so hard with it. it, it he's not. 
He's requiring you to come according to his prescribed approach and he's guaranteed you if you'll come that way, you'll get your healing. But you have to come according to the way he has prescribed. Why? Well, because that's just the way it works. <laughs> it's impossible for it to work any other way. Amen. Now notice, let's, let's go over, let's see some examples of this. Go over to John chapter 20 with me. John chapter 20. Now Jesus had been raised from the dead on Easter morning. He had appeared to Mary and some of the other women and he had appeared to a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus, you know, that afternoon. Different things had happened. He had made some appearances and he had appeared to the disciples, uh, 10 of them. Of course, Judas wasn't in the uh, group because he, he was no longer with them. Uh, Thomas wasn't present when Jesus appeared to him. So it says in verse 24, John 20, 24, now Thomas called the twin, was one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. Now you can imagine they were that, there's a whole story in that. You know they were jumping up and down. We've seen the Lord. Thomas said, well, unless I see, remember faith is the evidence of things not seen. Thomas said, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, that's where the, the sword pierced him, I will not believe. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. And uh, people won't just admit it but that's really what they're saying. What they're really saying is, if I can't feel it, if I, can't, if I don't feel the change in my body, if I don't see the, the, the uh, change in my bank account, if I don't see the, the difference in my spouse, hello, <laughs> faith is a two-way street. If I, if I don't know for sure by some outward sign that this person across the counter from me needs the Lord and they'll, and they'll respond if I, if I witness to, if I don't have something I can see, I will not believe. That's really what they're saying. He said, I will not believe. So then after eight days, his disciples were again together and Thomas was with them and Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, notice the first person he talked to. He said, Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas's so-called faith, it's not really faith, it's non-faith, is the seeing is believing variety. How many people ever heard somebody say, well, seeing is believing? No, it's not. Seeing is not believing, seeing is seeing. <laughs> believing is believing. Thomas said, I'm not gonna believe it unless I see it. Jesus said, there's no blessing on that. 
He said, because you've seen me, you believe. He said, that's not blessed. There's no blessing on that. He's not commending that. God doesn't commend people who say, well, I'm just not gonna believe it unless I can see it. He's saying, that's not blessed. The blessing rests on those who have not seen the answer to their prayer, have not seen the promise of God worked out in their life. They've not seen what God said with their natural eyes, but they believe. They believe they've received it. Jesus said that's the ones, those are the ones who are blessed. Those who've not seen, but keep believing. Amen? So the Thomas kind of faith is not good faith. The Thomas kind of faith, if you want to call it faith, it's really not faith. It's the world's kind of faith. It's the unbeliever's kind of faith. It's based strictly on what you can feel, what you can see, what you can hear. In other words, it's, it's based on the senses. It's based on, the, on, on feeling and hearing and seeing and smelling. In other words, what, what you can sense with your physical senses, that's what you believe. No blessing. No blessing on that. Now, go with me over to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> Romans 4. Hallelujah. Let's, let's start in verse number 16. Therefore it is of what? Faith. faith. Therefore it is of faith. <clears throat> that it might be according to grace so that all the promise might be sure to all the seed. Listen, the reason God put the answers to our prayer on the basis of faith is to make it sure to everyone who believes. God put it on the, on the basis of faith so that if you operate in faith, you're guaranteed to get your answer. Who guarantees it? God does. God guarantees it. See, if it was on some other basis, if it was on the basis of feeling, for instance, or seeing, you know, the, the natural realm is always changing. Feelings change. Sometimes, you, how many of you can, can testify? Sometimes you feel real close to God and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel real close to God and, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you feel saved. Sometimes you don't. Anybody ever experienced that? Sometimes you feel that you really know God and he's really watching after you. And sometimes you, you feel like he's nowhere around. Feelings, if, you, if your faith or the answers to your prayer are based on your feelings and, and what it looks like and what you can see and the evidence around you, that evidence is always changing. Somebody, people used to be real, real famous for this in my family, where I came from, church that I came from. Well, I just feel like God heard my prayer. I just feel like God heard me. What they're talking about is they prayed and they got worked up real good, you know, and, and got their emotions all excited and they just had a warm, fuzzy feeling inside and they're just sure, based on that, they're just sure, I just, I just believe God heard me. Just they think they're in faith. They shake their fists like that. I just believe God heard me. Well, the problem with that is you're not going to feel that way tomorrow. 
You get out of that church service and away from all those believers and you get out there on the job, you know, on Monday morning and, and somebody's cussing you out and you know, suddenly you don't feel like you did last night at church. Well, where's the answer to your prayer then? I felt, I felt like God heard me. That's what that goes. See, you, you, if you're operating in that realm, in the sense realm, it's never secure because it's always changing. But you put it on the, on the basis of faith in God's word. God's word never changes. What he says never changes. What he said about your situation, what he promised in relation to your situation never changes. Can you believe that there are people today that are saying, well, you know, the, the Bible has, has become out of date and old-fashioned and it's time to change what the Bible teaches because after all, some things are just so out of date and, and out, of, uh, out of the mainstream that, that Christians are gonna have to change what they believe. In fact, I've heard, I've heard it, I've read it, I haven't heard it, but I've read people say, the Bible needs to be changed. Now, that just makes me laugh. That in 2020, after all these years, that God's word has been immutable, unchangeable, absolutely the truth that people have built their lives on and God has always come through, that suddenly in 2015, it won't work anymore. When those people that say that are dead and gone and in hell for a million years, the word of God will always be the same as it is today. It has been, it will be, it's not gonna change. And that's why you can base what you believe on the Bible, which is what faith is. It's the evidence of things not seen. You can believe that until it comes to pass. Because God said it. And what he said about it hasn't changed and it's not gonna change. Now, Abraham, let's go back and read verse number 16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, now the next verses, the next part of this you see is in that oblique writing. This is a quote from the Old Testament. This comes from Genesis chapter 17, verse number five. This is something that God said to Abraham. He's, or he said, his name was Abram at the time when he said this. God said, I have made you a father of many nations, end quote. In the presence of him, the older translation says, like unto him, God, whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, now notice, and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Yeah. Notice they don't exist. They don't exist. I would add in the natural realm, in the physical realm, things do not exist, but God calls them as though they do exist. That's how faith works. Somebody said, yeah, well, God can do that because he's God, but I, I'm not gonna call, I'm not gonna say something exists when it doesn't exist. Well, then you're never gonna have the answer to your prayer. Because even though God did this here, it says that Abraham did the same thing. Abraham 
It says, like unto him whom he believed, even Abraham, I mean, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now notice what Abraham did. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed that he might become so that he became the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now let's back up here. Who contrary to hope, in hope, not by hope, but in hope, believed. See, hope has its place. It just doesn't have a foundation without faith. Faith is the foundation or the basis for hope. And it says that in hope, contrary to hope, in hope, he exercised faith. That's what believing means, is to, is to have faith and exercise faith. So in hope, he exercised faith. Why was it contrary to hope? Well, if you, in verse 19, it says, not being weak in, weak in faith, he did not consider his own body now dead since he was about 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, in, in verse number 17 here, this quote comes from Genesis 17, verse number five. At this time, when God said this, Abraham was uh, 99 years old, yeah, he was 99 years old. And he had had a son. He and Sarah had had a son. His name was Ishmael. The son was now 13 years old. Abraham was 86 years old and Sarah was 76 when Ishmael was born. How many of you uh, realize that that's pretty late in life to be having babies? 76-year-old mother. And, a, and, a, and an 86-year-old dad. Now, 13 years had passed. Now they're really old. I mean, if that wasn't old enough, now Abraham, Abram is 99 years old and Sarah's 89 years old. There's not much hope there. The child they had wasn't the child of promise. Ishmael was a mistake. And uh, they got out of faith and got out of the will of God and tried to work something out on their own. Anyway, uh, they had a child, but it wasn't the child of promise. Sarah actually didn't give birth to the child. The, uh, the uh, handmaid did, uh, Hagar. And so Abraham fathered this child. He was 86. And now 10 years have passed, 13 years have passed, and Sarah still hasn't had a child. She's 89 years old. No children. That's, that's hopeless. But in spite of that, they believed. What did they believe? God said, now here's how God operates. I have made you a father of many nations. Now when he said that, Abraham was 99 years old and he had one son. It was 13 years old. That's not, a, Ishmael is not a nation. God says, he didn't say I will make you. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. And he changed his name from Abram, which meant exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So God, what was God doing? He was calling things which do not exist as though they did. 
He's saying, I have made you a father of many nations, even though you're 99 and you have one 13-year-old son. I have made you. That, that's, that's a statement of faith. But now notice, Abraham did the same thing because his name was Abram and God said, no longer are you going to be called Abram. From now on, you're going to be called Abraham. Which means not exalted father, but father of a multitude. Now today, we don't really think about what our names mean. How many of you ever looked up in a book or online and found out what your name meant? Anybody? Who has a real good name? Who can, who can tell me something their name means that's real good? True image. You're proud of that, aren't you? Who else has a good name? Victorious. Bob? Winner overall. Are there any bad names? I've never found a, a book that gave, you know, you're, a, you're just a dog. You're a sorry dog. Jacob is a deceiver, that's right. That's not good. Huh? Ichabod, how many times have you heard somebody named Ichabod? God has departed. Uh, my point is, we all have, me, our names mean different things. But we don't think about each, each other that way. We don't, what did you say, Veronica? Pay attention over here. What did you say? True. When I, when I say Veronica, I don't think true image. And I, and, I, and I dare say you don't usually. No, we don't use our names that way. But back then, names meant something. The, the, that, and the Bible records what people's names meant because they meant something to him and they meant something to people. And so when people called Abram, hey, Abram, they, they had a mental concept Exalted father. The name Abram was a very uh, exalted and laudable name. It meant exalted father. And people were aware of that when they called him that. He said at 99 years old, he, he said, I'm changing my name because God's changed it. Don't call me Abram anymore. You call me Abram, I'm going to, no, 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 no. I'm not going to listen. My name is now father of a multitude. I got one little 13-year-old son. And I want you to start calling me the father of a neighbor of, of a multitude. What's that? He's calling things which do not exist as though they did. That's what faith does. Faith says I have my answer now even though I don't have the evidence of it. In the natural, I have a spiritual evidence. It hasn't shown up in the feeling realm, in the seeing realm, in the hearing realm, you can't see it, but I believe I've received it. Amen. And a person that will do that, I'm telling you what, it says, and he will have them. Now, in closing, let me point out, it doesn't say how long that's gonna take. It never says how long or how soon you will have them. It says you will have them. That tells me to, that I should expect it not to happen immediately. I didn't get any amens on that. Amen. That tells me that I should not expect it to happen immediately. I said it tells me I should not, I should not expect it to happen immediately. When I say immediately, I mean I believe it and boom, there it is. 
I should not expect that. I should expect it to happen because he said you will have them. So that tells me there's going to be a, 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 a some time. Some people would have you believe that as soon as you say, I believe I've received it, you can expect that to happen, boom. That's not what this verse teaches. It says you shall have them. It doesn't say immediately. And I can tell you from experience in my life and every person I've ever known that knew something about faith, there is a time frame involved. There is a time between seed time and harvest all the time. Always it. I mean, I'm not saying that, I, that it never happens immediately, but can you imagine what we would get into if every time we ask God for something according to the word, we just have, boom, there it is. We ask him, boom, there it is. We ask him something else, boom, there it is. I mean, just, just like firecrackers going off. Well, you, now, knowing us being human, you think we'd get that into a big mess yeah. overnight? And God would be reduced to a slot machine, put money in and, and just there comes, the, there comes the jackpot. That's not the way it works. He said, believe and you shall have them. You will have them. It didn't say immediately, it said you will have them. And another reason I know that not to expect it to happen immediately is because faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, how long it takes is up to our level of faith. The more faith we have and the stronger we have and the more we trust him, the quicker it's gonna happen. But don't think it's gonna happen immediately because it rarely, if ever, does. I said it rarely, if ever, happens. In other words, the, the physical reality of what you ask for rarely, if ever, happens immediately. And if you're, and if you're thinking it's going to, you're gonna be disappointed. You say, well, I, I don't know why I asked God and, and I, know I, I know I was believing God. I know I'm in faith and it hasn't happened. Well, well, hallelujah. That's what faith is designed for. It's designed to operate in the realm of the unseen. Faith only works when you haven't seen it yet. It's the only time it works because as soon as it, you can see it, Faith in that transaction is over. Hallelujah. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. That's, that's how we walk. We walk in, if you're going to be a person that uh, is pleasing to God, there, you're going to be a person that walks in life and you have asked and you're thanking God for it. You believe you've received it. It hasn't happened yet. And then, and then one day this happens. But in the meantime, you've asked him for 20 other things. And they work themselves out. As you stand steadfast in faith, they do come to pass. That's living by faith. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.